0: Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz.
1: blitz podcast i'm your host steve gallo and i want to thank you for tuning in for what will be our final episode of this fantasy season yes it is true we are shutting it down a couple of weeks early and you will have to make your way through the playoffs by yourself without our help on the podcast but of course you can check us out on twitter for any last minute questions and help that you need and if you stick around we'll give you the um, details as to where you'll find us on twitter if you don't already know that at the end of the show so with that all said, um, the reason that's happening is because of the holidays and the fact that I'm closing on a loan to buy a house the end of December. So my apologies, but um, real life's getting in the way of fantasy. Harley, is real life getting in the way of fantasy for you?
0: Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. Open your eyes. Look up. To the skies and see, of course it's holidays you got to spend time with your family, you got to spend time with your friends, and you got to spend time in the kitchen making some good food and drinking some good beers
1: absolutely, and you know what I bet not a single soul will believe that that was unhurst, unknown it was going to happen, it just rolled e you have to that, vouch
2: for us yeah that uh that was spontaneous is. As tough as it can be to believe, that was not (laughs) rehearsed.
1: I know. It was actually well done, my man. So I'm glad that um, both of you guys are able to join us for the final episode. I reached out to Jake, unfortunately, unfortunately, depending on the view that you take. He has family in town and wasn't able to join us for our um, Hurrah show of 2015. Um, I do know that he is... Trying to win the championship in GMX, which is a league that I used to be in with him for many years. So hopefully he tunes in to get some fantasy help from us so we can at least help him to win a championship. Um, I'll tell you what, it was a busy week. There's a lot going on. We are going to give you a treat with a fourth down that you will not want to miss this week. Um, So make sure that you stick around for the entire show so that you can catch us on that. First down, we're going to get into some Dynasty love them or leave them talk. Um, But before that happens, we're going to throw it over to Harley for this week's BPN news.
0: Thank you, Steve. Over the last five weeks, Doug Baldwin has averaged over 100 yards per game and nearly two touchdowns per game. This week, he faces the Browns. Folks, this is more of a sure thing than when your prom date orders the lobster. (laughs) With Mark Ingram out of the season, many people thought that Sean Payton would have finally unleashed C.J. Spiller. We were wrong. It appears that Spiller is permanently in Payton's doghouse. If you own Spiller in a redraft league, you can officially cut him now. Of course, it won't matter because your team's season ended at least one week ago anyways. If you own Spiller in a dynasty league, you can rest assured that he will not be back with the saints next year. This could make him a worthwhile keeper, especially if your league awards points for games missed due to injury. (laughs) Andy Dalton sustained a broken thumb and he may miss the rest of the season. AJ McCarron replaced him versus the Steelers and produced solid fantasy numbers. Following the game, McCarron compared his opportunity to that of Tom Brady back in 2001. I'm sorry to inform Mr. McCarron that just because he is also married to a smoking hot model, that does not mean that he will instantly have the career success of Tom Brady. That said, Bengals GM Mike Brown received a phone call late Sunday evening from Bill Belichick inquiring as to McCarron's availability for trade following this season. Marcus Mariota had more receiving yards this past week than Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Calvin Johnson, Michael Crabtree, Emmanuel Sanders, Travis Kels, Stefan Diggs, Des Bryant, and Vincent Jackson. In related news, owners of Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Calvin Johnson, Michael Crabtree, Emmanuel Sanders, Travis Kelsey, Stefan Diggs, Des Bryant, and Vincent Jackson all committed mass suicide Sunday evening after their teams were mathematically eliminated from their fantasy playoffs. And finally, Matt Schaub has gone on record that he feels he will be able to play this coming weekend versus Kansas City. As a fantasy owner of the Kansas City defense, I fully support this decision. This has been your BPN News Update with Harley Schultz.
1: Man, big burn there. I like that at the end. So it's, of course, the final final episode of the season. We've got to have a final um, cutting room floor piece.
0: We have one last piece on the cutting room floor for the season, and that is due to injuries to TJ Yeldon and Thomas Rawls, Duan Harris and Denard Robinson will both be hot waiver wire pickups this week. Harris gets an easy matchup this week against the Browns, and Robinson gets back-to-back juicy matchups against the Falcons and the Saints. If you find yourself still alive in the playoffs, you may want to add these two journeymen. Of course, if you are still alive in the playoffs, odds are that you have better starting running back options than Dewan Harris and Denard Robinson.
1: I see why that was on the cutting room floor. You didn't want to say odds
0: today. Ards! It's a a, talk like a pirate day, I guess.
1: It's the Christmas, only a couple months late. Christmas season for Pirates. <laughs> I got you. All right. So not bad. But let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Let's go ahead and break this huddle One, two, and get into our first down. And like I said, this week, instead of helping people in the playoffs, because you know what? You got there. You go win it yourself now. Hopefully we helped you get there. You go win it with what we've taught you over the season. Um, we're going to give some love to the Dynasty fans out there. Because a lot of them are probably playing DFS right now. Because their seasons are washed up. And they need to know what they're going to do with their keepers and such. So we're going to do a little love them or leave them. And we're going to start off with... Let's start off with wide receivers in in the day and age of the passing game. What do you think? I'll give you guys a couple names. And we'll let you debate a little bit. And you're going to love one or leave one based on what I say here. Okay. First is Calvin Johnson versus Allen Robinson. Just a straight up, you get to keep one wide receiver and you have both those guys on your roster. Who are you keeping?
2: E, you're up. Uh, this isn't super close. I'm I'm keeping Allen Robinson. Uh, he's a complete stud. Calvin Johnson, the context here is pretty important because we're not really 100% sure what as completely committed or com- uh What has contributed to his demise this year? Part of it, yeah, is the quarterback situation. The other part could be the offensive coordinator. We see the Jim Bob Cooter offense has brought some life back to him. But ultimately, he's too inconsistent to roster the whole year. Allen Robinson is a stud. Um, It's only his second year in the league. And his first year was cut short about halfway through by injury. So if you believe in the theory that wide receivers need three years to fully mature into the player they're going to be for the rest of their careers, this is a guy to keep um Bortles is slinging the rock early and often uh that's the uh the Greg Olson offense as a he used to be the former Raiders offensive coordinator he gets a little too pass happy at times if he stays there I think Allen Robinson is definitely the guy to own uh Calvin Johnson we all love to remember that 2,000 yard season but I mean that's that's a few years away it's I don't think he's going to be the same player he used to be I'm going with the younger guy with the higher upside at this point
0: Harley I, I agree with Ian on pretty much everything you just said. I think that uh, you factor in the fact that Kelvin's a lot older. You factor in the fact that Allen Robinson maybe has not reached his peak yet. And uh, you, you have to lean that way. You have to lean the way of the younger, uh, more effective receiver for this season, that's Allen Robinson. But another factor that people aren't looking at is, and again this depends on your league's rules, but at least in draft formats a lot of times when you're talking about players that are going to be kept, you oftentimes have to give up a draft pick based on where that player was selected in a lot of leagues. So if Kelvin Johnson was taken in the first or second round of your league, you might have to give up a second round pick or a third round pick to keep him next year. Now, again, that isn't the case in dynasty formats, but that's the case in a lot of uh, single, single player or two or three player keeper leagues. Now in that same argument, you can say, well, Alan Robinson probably wasn't taken until the sixth, seventh, maybe even eighth round of some drafts this year. So you might be only giving up a 7th, 8th, or ninth round pick to keep him going into next season. So based on that age, uh, offense, all, all things thrown together, it's Allen Robinson, and it's not close.
1: I don't think it's as far apart as you guys maybe make it sound. It sounds like both of you guys are loving Allen Robinson and leaving Calvin Johnson. Robinson currently is, I believe, 7th in PPR scoring, and Calvin Johnson, for his demise, sits at 11th. Um, I think there has to be some question uh, are you concerned with the coaching staff in Jacksonville um, turning over? Do you think they're still going to give him another year? If they're going to give him another year or two, then I think that that's a plus for Mr. Robinson. If you think that it's going to get turned over, then that's a different story.
2: Well, if, unless I'm wrong, I think they're actually leading the AFC South right now in the playoff chase. I think they would be in the playoffs if they were tomorrow. Now, I don't know how many owners have ever fired they're fired everyone after making the playoffs. But Mr. Khan seems like somebody who has been, he has been preaching patience this whole time. So we might see another year of Gus Bradley. I'm just throwing that out there, but going off of what you mentioned, um, Calvin Johnson is owed $20 million next year. Oh, sorry. He is owed $24 million next year and he's turning 30. Who knows if he's even going to be a lion next year. And granted they would probably have to trade him, so that kind of limits where he could go. A lot of the uh, upper echelon franchises don't like giving up picks, but who knows? His context could change. His quarterback could change next year.
1: What if his quarterback was Tom Brady next year?
2: Ooh, that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably taking Calvin.
1: So that's why I say I don't think it's as, I don't think the Caverns as far apart as you guys think it is. Um, but if you have to make that decision at the conclusion of the regular season, I'm with you guys. Um am loving Allen Robinson. and I'm leaving Calvin Johnson, and I'm a Calvin Johnson fan from way back. I've owned him his entire career in one of my dynasty leagues and have ridden him to a couple of championships and hopefully to one more. Um, let's move on to the next one. We went from an old guy and a young guy. Now we're going to move into um, an old guy and an old guy. Brandon Marshall versus Larry Fitzgerald.
0: Now, when you said old guy and old guy, I thought you were going to say, okay, compare myself and Jake Richmond, but uh, <laughs> uh, instead we'll uh, we'll look at Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Larry Fitzgerald. Is that, No, it's not right. It's Brandon Marshall yes. versus Larry Fitzgerald. But ultimately it comes down to is who do you trust more, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Carson Palmer? Because the Jets have already gone on record saying that they're looking to re-sign Fitzpatrick. Both Fitzpatrick and Palmer are up there in years. So um, I like the offense a little bit better with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I like the fact that their team is more competitive complete, but at the same time there's also more weapons to throw it to there in New York they've got Marshall and Decker, and that's it in Arizona you've got Fitz, uh, you got i guess, got to say Fitzmagic again you've got Fitzgerald, you've got Michael Floyd you've got John Brown you've got Jerron Brown, you've got J.J. Nelson coming onto the scene now plus you've got the pass catching back in the backfield David Johnson, Andre Ellington uh, that's just a lot of weapons and a lot of hungry cooks there I'm I think I'm leaning Brandon Marshall just because I think that he is gonna have more opportunity next season. And if you look at their body of work, they for their career, they're pretty close.
1: That's a tough one. That's why I put them together for you. What do you think, A? Eh?
2: I'm a big fan of the Jets offense and I'm a big fan of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I read I heard the stat earlier on Twitter. It's uh over the last two years, Ryan Fitzpatrick has forty two TDs to nineteen picks, and he's completing uh sixty two and a half percent of his passes. Now, all this being said, I don't even think he's a wide receiver to own on his own team. I'm a big Eric Decker fan. That's why I'm leaning towards Larry Fitzgerald, the ageless wonder. His role is in the slot. I think who knows what's going to happen with Michael Floyd, but they've, they've drafted some guys over the last few years who are going to run the outside of the offense. They're going to be out the perimeter of wide receivers, and Fitzgerald is going to stay in the slot, I think. So I think that's going to extend his career a few years, and I'm trusting Carson Palmer more than Ryan Fitzpatrick as much as I do like him.
1: Okay. So you're you're loving Fitzpatrick, leaving Marshall, and Harley, you are?
0: I, I'm I'm taking Marshall over uh, okay. Fitzgerald.
1: So I get to break the tie. That's what it sounds like. And you know what I'm going to tell you? You can love them both. I, I really loved Brandon Marshall this year. I thought he was a great value in drafts. I wasn't as high on Fitzgerald. Um, I won't fault you for keeping either, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to love Brandon Marshall, and I'll leave Larry Fitzgerald on – the the part that you know what there's less mouth mouths to feed, and I trust Ryan Fitz, yeah, I, I trust Fitzpatrick in in New York just enough to keep Marshall a red zone threat, and I look for another solid year from him next year. I just think it'll be a little bit better than Larry Fitzgerald, so I'm gonna love Mr. Marshall and Leaf Fitzgerald. Now we're gonna go to a young guy and an injured guy, and you got to pick one of these guys. You got them both on your roster. You stash the injured guy all season, and you can only keep one of them. And, E, I'm going to let you stew on this when I let Harley go first. But it's Jordy Nelson versus Amari Cooper.
0: Wow. Uh, (laughs) Jordy has proven a lot over the last few years, and uh, you really have seen this year what effect his lack of presence has meant to Aaron Rodgers' confidence with the downfield passing game there. And now his injury is not one of those type of injuries that he's going to come back and be gun-shy or hesitant about. I mean, when his injury's healed, it's healed. So I really, really like him. But that said, I also really, really like Amari Cooper. Uh, Although I did pass over him in a couple of rookie drafts this year uh, for other players that we might talk about later in the segment. But uh, I... uh, you got a good young quarterback there, in Derek Carr, who likes to gun the ball downfield. Uh, Crabtree's getting a little older, so he's not going to be long for this uh, for this league. Jordy's still fairly young, though. I, I think Jordy is under thirty, if, if that serves me right. Uh, Thirty-one. Okay, so it. it I, I think that I trust Jordy a little bit more, mainly because I trust Aaron Rodgers a little bit more, and uh, I know that uh, they're going to be an offense that's going to consistently be out there scoring points until Aaron Rodgers uh, leaves and joins the Minnesota
1: Vikings. (laughs) All right, so he's loving Jordy, leaving Amari. I have a feeling we're going to get a different response from
0: Mr. E. You know,
2: i got to be honest. I'm not 100% sure uh, which one I'd take at this point. Um, I I am a big believer in the theory that a receiver needs three years to really develop into the guy that he's going to be for the rest of his career. And watching Amari all year... He's, a, he's an absolute stud. He runs routes great. He, he can do pretty much everything at a very, very high level. But he's not the primary target in this offense yet. That primary target right now is still Michael Crabtree. He got completely shut down in this past week's matchup against the Broncos. And that just goes to show you that this offense at this point is not matchup proof for anybody. Especially even Amari. I know, he's a, I know he's a really high pick. He's going to be 22 before next season starts. And he's got all this upside, but I'm not sure I'm ready to 100% buy in yet. If you're picking between him and Jordy, you better be 100% sure he's going to be your wide receiver one. Wide receiver, high end wide receiver two at worst. So as of now, I'm still going to take Jordy because he's a little bit more proven.
1: Wow. Well, I'll make
2: it a, a um,
1: sweep for Jordy. I'm going to say I'm loving Jordy and leaving Amari Cooper too. And the reasons I'm leaving Amari are no fault of his own. Um, Great wide receiver. I think he's going to be that top five, six type wide receiver in a few years. But we already know what the Green Bay offense is. We already know what Jordy Nelson is. We already know what his quarterback is. We know we've seen flashes of Derek Carr. We've seen flashes of Amari Cooper. But we've also seen, sorry, the dumpster fire that the Raiders have been over the past few years. And it looks like they've turned the corner, but I don't know that they've turned the corner yet. One hundred percent. We've seen teams that have flashed and then regressed. I mean, look back to the Browns a couple of years ago when it looked like they had the corner turned. And now look where they are. So with that said, I think that, I think Jordy, even though he's coming off of an injury, is the guy that you love and, and you leave Mr. Cooper for somebody else. So now we've gone through some big names. We're going to go through, we're going to throw, I'm going to throw out a couple guys that have not made one catch in their entire NFL careers. Actually, they haven't played a snap their entire NFL careers in the regular season. But you've got them both. They're on your team. You can only keep one of them. Don't worry about what round it costs you or anything like that. Are we loving or leaving Kevin White versus Brashad Perriman?
2: I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Kevin White just because um – you know, it's it's tough because both of them had some question marks coming out of the draft. Brashad uh, Perryman was kind of a—I'm not going to say he was a one-trick pony, but he was kind of a one-trick pony. He was supposed to be the Baltimore Ravens' deep threat. Um, Kevin White was a higher pick. Uh, he was a little bit more raw coming out of West Virginia, but the reason he was drafted so high was his upside. He's big. He's strong. He's got yak ability. He's He's just a physical specimen. And while they both have question marks with their route running, I think Kevin White might be in a better position long-term as far as uh, the offense that surrounds him. We've never really thought of Joe Flacco as a really fantasy demon, if you will. I, um, I think Prashad I think is going to be Torrey Smith at, at best, and I'm, I'm guessing Kevin White is just going um, it, to be a wide receiver two or three down the line. Prashad Perriman is going to be way more inconsistent, in my opinion.
0: Well, it's interesting that you brought that comparison between Brashad and Torrey Smith because Torrey Smith actually had a couple of really, really successful fantasy seasons with Joe Flacco doing just that. Nothing more, nothing less, just throwing the ball deep to him in uh, Baltimore. And unfortunately, uh, when I look at Brashad Perriman, I get comparisons to a guy that the uh, Minnesota Vikings took seventh overall a few years back by the name of Troy Williamson, who uh, came out of college as a very, very fast. Uh, long, deep, uh, field-stretching receiver, but he had no hands. And that was one of the big knocks on Perriman, too, was his lack of hand skills uh, going up for the ball. So you can be a great downfield threat, but as we've seen with Ted Ginn this year, it only leads to inconsistencies. Now, the main other reason why I'm not going to side with Prashad Perriman is uh, two words, Brett Perriman, uh, his father. Uh, and now... Anywhere that that seed is spilled, I'm going to have nothing to do with with that role because Perriman burned me so badly in my days of youth. uh, Playing him back when he was a a lion and uh, a brown for a short period, Uh, he consistently teased and never quite pleased as far as fantasy production goes. So I can't imagine his offspring, his spawn, is that much better than he is. Uh, I, I really like Kevin White. I, Kevin White is the guy who I targeted in rookie drafts ahead of Amari Cooper at wide receiver, mainly because I knew he was going to likely end up on IR, and I could stash that pick and use that roster spot this year for someone else.
1: Okay. So, I, you know, we picked these names in pre-production, and I still don't know which one of these guys I want to keep, but I'm going to throw a little bit of a um, – I guess a little fly in the ointment here and say that I just want to kind of look at each team because I see the value of both. I look at Chicago and I think that the coaching staff there has made a change for the better. Jay Cutler is probably playing the best ball of his career, but is Jay Cutler long for the bears beyond next year? You know, from a dynasty standpoint, I don't know. Um, how long does Adam Gase stay there? Um, you know, before he gets a head coaching gig, what's that do to the offense? You've got Alshon Jeffrey, who is a legit wide receiver, one top five type wide receiver when he's healthy, um, and then in Baltimore, you have a coaching staff that's having their first losing season, I believe, ever um, for John Harbaugh. You have a quarterback that, and Joe Flackwood that will be back. So between the coaching staff and the quarterback, they've shown the ability to use a guy with the skills that Paraman brings to the table um, successfully. So maybe, maybe I'm leaning this way based on the fact that I had high expectations for this person this year and I had him stashed on IR all year until he finally was said he's not coming back. I think I'm going to go against the grain and say I'm loving Paraman and leaving White. So... Um, Before we move into the other big positions, let's hit tight end real quick since we're on wide receivers. We'll keep this one short. Um, Let's do, let's go, let's see. Which one of these pairs do I want to do first? Let's go with Jordan. Okay, this is, we're going to love one or leave one. You can only keep one of these guys. And the thought is top five or better. Tight end production is what you're looking for. You want to keep Jordan Reed or Travis Kelsey? Go ahead, E.
2: Oh man, this is this is really tough. Uh as much as we all love Kelsey, um Reed has been the better tight end fantasy wise this year. Now Kelsey has untapped upside, but I'm just not really sure what his role is on that team exactly. He's he's a stud, he catches he catches i mean he gets enough targets he just doesn't he doesn't score enough for me and uh i like reed a lot but i mean who knows what the quarterback situation in washington is going to be i'm still going to take travis kelsey at the end of the day as much as i do like jordan reed um i guess the tiebreaker for me would be that kelsey has been able to stay healthier more consistently reed is constantly hurt um kurt cousins loves those, those short passes but so does alex smith this is kind of a toss-up for me, but I'm definitely taking Kelsey.
1: Okay.
0: Harley? I'm 100% with E. I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said on that. Uh, uh, the, biggest, the biggest divining factor is the uh, health history of the two of them. Uh, there's been a couple of times in the last two years where it seemed like Reed may have sustained injuries that may have ended his career, or at least put his career in jeopardy. Uh, Kelsey has all the upside in the world, uh, he's he's built to be a supreme target at tight end. All we can really hope for in Kansas City is that uh, at some point in time, either uh, there's a change in offensive strategy, or we just get rid of Alex Smith. And that's always a possibility.
1: Um, I'm going to say here's the thing: you got Jordan Reed, who is the number five overall tight end. He missed two games. He's averaging 16.218 points per game, which is only second to Gronkowski's 18.567. Kelsey's number seven. He's at 12.454. Um, he's about 17 points behind Jordan Reed. He's played in every game. Um, I'm still, I'm loving Kelsey. I'm leaving Jordan Reed. And it's all about health and upside. I think that what we're seeing is Jordan Reed's upside. Mm-hmm. And you have to factor in the health issues. It's just, I'm sorry, the guy's brittle. Um, he's had a fantastic year, but still. Middle of the season, he left owners you know, holding the bag because he wasn't on the field for them. Um, Kelsey, at number seven, has been rather consistent. He really has. He's, he's given a solid production almost week in and week out. This past week was probably his worst game at 4.8 points. Otherwise, you're looking at around 8 to 9 points minimally every week. And here's the kicker. He has what it takes to be a type of guy that can unseat Rob Gronkowski as the number one overall tight end. So that's why I'm loving Mr. Kelsey. Now, let's go with an older guy and a younger guy. I think they both have decent upside, but now there's a few different factors you have to look at. What about Greg Olson and Tyler Eifert?
0: You know, I've uh, been a fan of Tyler Eifert since uh, he was drafted, and uh, you you basically have to look at this in one of two ways. You've got an old, consistent guy in Greg Olson who's – it, it seems to me he's been playing since I was a kid, and he probably has been uh, between his time with the uh, Bears and then to going to Carolina. And every single week out there, you look at, at Olsen's line, he's got seven catches for 80 to 90 yards and uh, occasionally gets a touchdown. I think he usually ends up about six or seven touchdowns a year, which is uh, previously, at least for a tight end, that was very, very good. Uh, however, in this day and age where tight ends are becoming more uh, specialized and featured in passing offenses, uh, a premier tight end is going to get those seven and 70, but he's also going to score 10 to 12 touchdowns a year. So y- you have to look at this and think to yourself, well, is Olsen a truly elite tight end? He's definitely a premium tight end, but is he elite tight end. Then you look at Eifert and the other end of the coin. Eifert has gone out. He leads the league, not just tight ends, but he leads the league in receiving touchdowns. So, He's got the opportunity to be a very effective touchdown target for the for the years to come, either with uh, our uh, our man Andy Dalton throwing him the ball or potentially McCarron if uh, if they decide to go a different way after Dalton's contract expires. But uh, Eifert, he's a touchdown machine who just doesn't get a lot of yards. Now, I'd like to think the yardage could come. So again, if we're looking at upside, I think we know Olsen's value. Let's go with Eifert because he's got more upside going forward.
1: Okay.
2: I'm going with Eifert as well, um, mainly because of the upside. But also, I mean, Greg Olson is getting a little bit older. They, you would think, eventually Dave Gettleman invests in some outside weapons for Cam, uh, so he doesn't have to keep throwing the ball to Ted Ginn. And so that could take some targets away from Olson. But Eifert is really only in his second year. Most of last year was lost due to an elbow injury. So if you're waiting for him to break out, this was a great year, obviously. But next year could be where the yardage comes and. Marvin Jones should leave in free agency, which should open up more targets for Tyler Eifert down the road.
1: Yeah, I think this one, Well, it's not easy, I think it's, it's easier. I, I think that the upside is similar for both of the guys. Um, they both have decent offenses that will focus on them. I, I, I agree. I'm sticking with Eifert. I'm, I'm going to love Eifert on this one and leave Greg Olson. So let's get into some running back talk. Um, let's go with an injured guy versus an older guy. And you can you gotta love one or leave one as a top five option for next year, Jamal Charles and Matt Forte good, Harley
0: well, you know that the uh the chief and me will uh immediately come forward and say, okay, it's got to be Jamal Charles, but as we've seen this year, uh both of his backups Charkandrick West and Spencer, Spencer Ware, uh, have stepped forward and done a very good job filling in for him, so we don't know uh if he'll be back, and if he'll be a full featured back next year. Now, the same thing goes for Forte. There's a good chance Forte won't be in Chicago next year. Now, where does that put him? What sort of offense will he be in? Will he still be a pass-catching option, and will he be a featured back wherever he ends up? Both of them are a little bit older. I think when you go down and break it down to what type of possible question marks are surrounding it, you got to go with the safer and the more sure thing, and that's Charles, who will be back with Casey. We know he can be a featured back. We know he can be a goal line back, something that Forte has never really been. And they're both pass catching options, so I think they're pretty even in that game. I, I'm going to go Charles.
1: Okay. What about you, A? You loving Charles or you leaving him and, and loving Forte?
2: I'm going to go with Charles. Uh, I, I think Charles's talent is superior to Forte's, and I know what people are going to say, but I, I stand by that. He's just been so electric the last few years. Plus, he's obviously featured in that offense. I agree with Harley. He's definitely going to be back, uh, provided his knee holds up. Um, Forte, I'm just not really sure what his role is next year. I'm not sure what team he's going to be on, if he's going to get pushed into a committee role. Yeah. Um, he's pushing, he's, I think he's 31 this year. He should be 31 or 32 by the time next year starts. Um, it seems like they're already starting to phase him out. It seems like they're starting to feature Langford a little bit. I believe he might have outtouched Forte last week. Um, it, it's there's just too many question marks. I'm taking Charles. He's a little bit younger. Um, he's more electric still. Hopefully he comes back strong. But Andy Reid has proven he can get running back production out of pretty much anybody. So I'm I'm gonna stick with Jamal Charles.
1: I am too. Charles, is my love him. Um, he's come back from injury like this before, and he's been productive. And I, while the other guys there have produced in his stead, uh, they don't scare me. So it's Charles. And the unknownness with Matt Forte is why I'm leaving him. Um, Here's two guys that are injured. Um, I want to know if we're... Let's do this one rather quick. We'll try and run through these next two matchups that I have um, since we're running a little long. We got Thomas Rawls, suffered a horrific injury um, this weekend to his ankle, and Mark Ingram. Love or leave, which one or both as top ten options? Go ahead, Harley.
0: I'm going to take Thomas Rawls, and the main reason being I fully expect Rawls to be back healthy at the start of next season. And he will be, I'm saying this, he will be your primary ball carrier week one for the Seattle Seahawks next season. Mark Ingram will also be back week one for the New Orleans Saints. But you know what? So will Kyrie Robinson. And once again, we'll be back back to a situation where the two of them are splitting carries with Ingram still getting the goal line work and still getting the, the lion's share. But I'm going to go with the guy who's going to be the man in Seattle, and that's Thomas Rawls.
2: I'm going to go with Rawls as well. Um, part of it is due to the organizations. Uh, Seattle, obviously, a model franchise. Um, New Orleans, not so much. We don't really. We keep hearing whispers of Sean Payton potentially leaving.
1: Ah, yes. Um
2: So that that just has too many question marks for me. If Sean Payton leaves, what's the identity for that team? Uh, Mark Ingram, I've never really been 100% sold on. I know he's having a, pr- a really great year this year, but he's his lifetime per carry average, and I know that's not the greatest metric, but it's hovered around average. Thomas Rawls has been Marshawn Lynch plus this year, and Marshawn Lynch has been a top 10 consistent running back for basically since he's been in Seattle. So I'm going to go with Rawls. Um, I, like, I like what Tom Cable and them are doing with the zone blocking scheme. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Rawls.
1: I'm, I'm, lo- I'm loving Rawls also. We'll make it a clean sweep. Um, with Ingram, you nailed it. We don't know what to expect um, team-wise. I mean, New Orleans is... Far from having a great season, we could have Sean Payton gone. You never know what happens with Drew Brees in that salary. Um, the wide receivers there don't don't thrill me. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an easy call. Here's a quick young guy matchup that we can see where you guys are on this. Let's go with Jeremy Langford and Buck Allen. Love or leave either one of those guys as a top 15 option next year.
0: Well, that's a tough call there. I think I'm going to go slight edge to Langford. We've seen what both of them can do this year, and so far, they both have looked very, very exciting. They both have looked very, very good, and I like both of them going forward. However, in the case of Ellen, Forsett is coming back to Baltimore next year. That's written in stone already, so we don't know what the split will be between the two of them when they're both there. Langford will be the only man standing, aside from Kadim Carey, but no one cares about him, in Chicago, so i, I got to go with uh, Langford uh, by a slight edge, although I like them both.
2: Okay. E? I got to go with uh, Langford on this one. Um, granted, obviously this is depending on what happens with Forte in the offseason, but Langford's shown the potential to be a workhorse guy. Um, I like Buck Allen a lot, but I'm not sure they're going to be ready to give him the keys yet. to to be the lone guy in the backfield. And I think that's what he needs. If he's a complimentary player, I'm not sure he's as fantasy relevant. I'm going to go with the guy who I think is going to be the bell cow next year, and that's Jeremy Langford.
1: You know what? I want to be on board with you guys. I'm going to say, since it's close for next year, and I agree with Forsett coming back next year, but we're talking dynasty, I'm going to love Buck Allen, and I'm going to leave Langford. Although... I like Langford a lot. I just don't know what to expect from that Chicago Bears team going forward beyond next year, where I think that the Ravens team I feel more I feel better about the Ravens team going forward the next two to four years than I do the Bears. So with that, that gives me the edge to go with um, Buck over Langford. But I'd have I'd have a hard time faulting anybody for sticking with either one or both of those guys. So we are definitely running long and we have some matchups for quarterbacks we wanted to touch on, and we already know how much I love quarterbacks. So we're just going to hit on a couple of the matchups real quick. Um, Andrew Luck and Cam. You have to keep one. You have both. Who are you keeping, Harley?
0: I'm going to keep Cam. He's proven to be just too dominant this year with absolutely no supporting cast whatsoever. Uh, it's only going to get better with Kelvin Benjamin back next year, a full year under the belt for Devin Funches. Plus, an additional wide receiver that I'm sure they'll sign in this offseason to replace uh, the amazing Ted Ginn, who's got eight touchdowns despite deserving about 20.
1: Okay. Steve Smith, maybe. Who knows? Um, e?
2: Yeah, I'm going to roll Cam for basically the same reason. Um, luck is, I think, I have no question Luck is going to bounce back next year, but Cam gives you. That extra game breaker ability, where he's a red zone threat, he can run, he can pass. The questions were around Cam: were, can he throw from the pocket? And he's answered all of them this year. So I'm going to roll with Cam.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. You know what? I don't know that anybody would have taken anything we had to say this year seriously if we had said prior to Week One, who's the quarterback <laughs> that you are going to take from a dynasty perspective? Cam Newton or Andrew Luck? Um, if you had said Cam Newton, but I think that Cam Newton, due to his legs as well as his receiving options, can only get better um, is the reason that you have to go with him. Um, two older guys we were going to talk about. We're not going to hit on them. I'll just say who they are. Um, it was, we were going to talk about Carson Palmers and Phillip Rivers. We know that dynasty people don't like old guys as it is, so don't worry about those guys. Um, Matt Ryan has pretty much stunk up the joint. But I think that some people still will live on the fact that he's got some good talent around him with, you know, Julio Jones, et cetera. So, what about Matt Ryan and, oh, let's go with um, Mr. Bortles? You know what? Throw Derek Carr in there. Love one or leave one. Who are you guys going to love? Who are you leaving?
2: I'm taking Carr. Uh, of I'm, course you are. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> well, I'm taking, I'm taking Carr for a few reasons. Uh, I know Harley is all in on the Jacksonville offense. I I still have fears that they will regress. I think Borders is going to be a high volume player. He's going to need a lot of attempts to score a lot of points fantasy wise, and this has obviously been a great year. But from maybe and maybe probably it's biased, but I think Derek Carr needs a running game so badly. I know Latavius Murray is leading the AFC in rushing currently. I, I have to check on that after this weekend, but. It hasn't been consistent all year, and he's played so much better when he has a running back that goes over 100 yards. I don't think, I'm not sure if Murray's the guy, but if the Raiders can build a running game around Derek Carr, I think his upside is higher than both of those other players. Matt Ryan has a running game, or he had one, but he just hasn't been able to capitalize on it. He hasn't been the guy that we thought he was going to be, and he's I think he's hit a ceiling. Absolutely.
1: Um, I'll give you a quick second here in just a second, Harley. With Matt Ryan, when Julio Jones had those huge games, you would think, well, that must have been a great stack. Go look at it. It wasn't. Matt Ryan didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Just because Julio ate, Matt didn't. Go ahead, Harley.
0: Yeah, you know I'm one of the long, longest-standing Matt Ryan apologists, but I've completely jumped off the bandwagon the last couple of weeks. I actually, cut him in one league to pick up Blake Bortles, who I not, I'm not surprisingly am going to be choosing in this argument here. Uh, again, I'm a huge fan of the uh, Jacksonville offense right now. It's so many weapons to choose from. Uh, Julius Thomas, Ellen Hearns, Ellen Robinson, uh, the young TJ Yeldon started to look really good the second half of the season. Now he's hurt. But uh, here's, here's what I say uh, one of my uh, fellow contributors at League Safe Post by the name of uh, Brian Johnson coined the phrase Carbage time last year for the number of touchdowns that uh, Mr. Carr threw when his team was losing by 30 to 40 points late in the third and fourth quarter. Well, you know what? Blake Bortles has taken that idea and made it even that much better because he's producing garbage time points when the team is still in the game. So, you know what? you got to assume that that's going to be the case going forward with Jacksonville. They're going to be in the games It's to be a lot more competitive. Their division is awful. The division that uh, Oakland plays in is much tougher. So I'm going to go with Blake Bortles.
1: And give me baby Ben also. Yep, that's what I'm calling him, Baby Ben. Okay, um, one last one. We'll just do this as a, since we're already well over our time limit for the entire show. Um, what the hell, it's our last one, right? Um, two young guys, two rookies. You can keep one. Jameis Winston, Mark, and then Mariota.
2: I'm going Winston. Winston. Yep. Winston. Absolutely.
1: I'll make it a a clean sweep. I like Winston. I like what Lovey's doing there. I like the receiving core that he's got. I like the running backs. Winston. But I don't think people that keep Mariota would be upset, but Winston's got more upside. Okay, it is now time for us to um, go ahead and, I guess, break this huddle and throw it over to Harley um, for his tapped-in segment, which we did not discuss whatsoever. So I have no idea what he's going to tell you guys that you should drink for the week. Um, But he and I are going to sit back and take a listen.
0: Well, Steve, thank you very much uh, for this week on Tapped In. I know we're running a little behind. So I'm going to sh- give a shout-out to a brewery in Brooklyn, New York, that uh, has a couple different beers that just made their way up here to the Midwest that I really, really like. That is Six Point Brewing Company. Uh, they're The makers of their most popular release is a beer called Resin. It's an IPA, 101, 103 IBUs. It's very, very big. It's got 9.1% ABV, so it's highly alcoholic on top of being very hoppy but it's one of the most pine forward most uh dank forward IPAs that I've had in a long long time and one of the interesting things about these guys is whereas everyone else is now bo- uh, bottling their beer I should say not bottling their beer but canning their beer in tall boy style cans to be very popular these guys are using uh, skinny tall boy so you can actually fit six of these bo- six of these cans into your uh, fridge a little bit easier because they're a little bit skinnier around and a little bit taller rather than being tall and fat like the tall boys. So if you get a chance, check out Six Point Brewing Company out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, They make several different beers, including a beer called Beast Mode, which is a seasonal porter. I assume that uh, it's meant to be in reference to uh, Mr. Marshawn Lynch of Seattle, or maybe it's a reference to uh, so-called Beast East, uh, Chris Ivory in New York there. But uh, if you get a chance, try their Resin, which is their Imperial IPA. It's delicious. And just look for their beer out in about Six Point Brewing Company, Brooklyn, New York. There you go.
1: Very good one. It was quick, to the point, and refreshing. Um, So let's go ahead and we'll break this huddle, and we're going to get into our um, third down, which is, of course, our DFS. Um, Play them or plays and fades. So we'll try and... At least give people our plays, and maybe we'll cut down on the talk a little bit. Because you know what, we've earned skin with them, where they know that our logic and reasoning is valid, and just to follow what we say blindly, right? Yes. Okay. So Harley, go ahead. You kick us off. You're first.
0: Okay. I'm going to start with running backs then. First, Steve, I'm going to pay to play, assuming he's healthy, Jonathan Stewart. It's six thousand and seventy-five hundred. He's going up against the New York Giants. Uh, he gets a Giants team that has a lot of 150-plus combo yards per game to opposing running backs. And so far today, they've given up two touchdowns to Lamar Miller. There you go. Who are we fading? On the fade side, I'm actually going to fade a threesome. D'Angelo Williams versus Denver. Jeremy Hill and Giannard, uh, Giovanni Bernard versus San Francisco. I'm not going to talk about Williams versus Denver because Denver's got a good run defense. Everyone knows that. But San Francisco at home is allowing 80 rushing yards per game to opposing running backs. Compare that to the 153 rushing yards per game they're allowing to backs when they're on the road. This game is in San Francisco. That's where their rush defense is very good, so I'm not going to play Hill or Bernard versus San Francisco. And the value play for this week is Dewan Harris going up against Cleveland. He's only at 4,600 on DraftKings. Browns are allowing 157 combo yards per game to opposing running backs.
1: All right. And E, go ahead. You've got what quarterback?
2: Yeah, I got quarterbacks. So this week I'm fading Ben Roethlisberger, and the reason being they're playing Denver. Uh, they're Denver's coming off of a loss to the Raiders, so I don't think that defense is going to be in any any really great mood to begin with. And Big Ben's line has been injured this year. I think that Denver finds a way to get to him, and that disrupts the whole game. I think Denver bounces back this week. And I don't think Roethlisberger is going to give you the value you're looking for if you're paying that much for him. Okay. I'm playing Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has been red hot. He just lost his starting running back, so we're not really sure what's going to happen to the running game. I'm guessing Russell Wilson probably has to make up for part of that loss. They're playing Cleveland. I know they just beat the Niners, but they're still not very good. The Niners are just that bad. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I think he gives you a solid, solid game. Um, He won a lot of playoff games last year for a lot of people, including myself. So I'm going to roll with him.
1: Okay. So I guess I'll jump in and take tight end, and then we'll let Harley finish um, with wide receiver. So you know what? At tight end this week, don't overthink things. I'm paying to play Rob Gronkowski. If Gronk is healthy, Gronk gets played. If Gronk is playing, Gronk gets played. It's simple as that. Um, the guy I'm fading this week is Greg Olson. Um, at 6,900, 6,800, he's facing a Giants team that ranks second for the season in points allowed to tight ends and then seventh overall in points allowed to the position over the last four weeks. So why am I fading Greg Olson? Why? Any ideas why? No.
0: <laughs> I actually have him ranked as my number two overall tight end, so I'd like to know why.
1: <laughs> well, it has to do with I'm not sure what, how much of a game we're going to get out of the Carolina offense.
0: Good point. <laughs> and that's it. That's exactly
1: the reason. It could be a half. Uh, who knows how, how, how much they'll be up on the Giants, and it, that's the point we're at with playing any of the Panthers. I think that you have to proceed with caution and understand you may only get two and a half quarters out of them. So that's why I'm saying to fade Mr. Olsen. And if you want a value play, there is none. But if I have to give you a name, I'm going to give you a name. that He scores better, and oh, he almost caught that. um, Ryan Griffin of the Houston Texans.
0: Yay!
1: (laughs) So there you go. And we'll throw it to Harley to finish us up with wide receivers.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Ryan Griffin. Otherwise, I would have. uh, He's actually my sleeper streamer special at fantasyvictory.com this week. So, Uh, For pay-to-play at wide receiver, I'm going to take Kelvin Johnson going up against the rotten New Orleans secondary. He's only 6,900, coming off a horrible week, probably his worst week in his career. Uh, I I would think that his floor this week is probably two touchdowns. He's probably going to do even better than that. I'm fading the uh, triumvirate of Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, and Antonio Brown. They're going up against Josh Norman, Vontae Davis, and Keeb Cle- Tlaib in that order. The top three salaries at wide receiver on both sites, and they're facing arguably the top three shutdown corners this side of Rivas Island. So not playing any of those big three this week. And my value play is Tyler Lockett versus Cleveland. He's at forty two hundred and six thousand. You know, Doug Baldwin is the chalk play everyone's going to be on this week because uh, he's red hot and his price is low. Lockett's price is even lower, and he's just as hot.
1: Well, there you go. Um, We buzzed through that, but I think that there was some solid um, information for people to use for their DFS plays this week. Um, So let's go ahead and just um, break this huddle. And at this point, um, this is where we'd be giving the rolling the credits and saying goodbye, thank you, you listen to us on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. But we promised people a fourth down, didn't we? Yes. And for that fourth down, what we're going to give you is a mock first-round draft for next year, um, Harley will be picking first, E second, and I will pick third. Um, so PPR is what we'll consider it. Um, tight ends with um, full points per reception. Also, you're up, Mister Schultz.
0: Well, we are drafting a quarterback. No. A running back. No. 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 Just one round. Just Draft. top twelve. Okay. That's
1: it. Top twelve. If you want to draft a quarterback right now, you can do that.
0: I'm not going to. Okay. I am, however, going to take tight end Rob Gronkowski first overall. (sighs) That is bold.
1: Almost as bold as me seeing J.J. Watt go first overall in a combined (laughs) league earlier this year. All right, Gronk's off the board.
2: All right, uh, PPR, I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Assuming he comes back healthy, assuming all reports out of camp are positive, Le'Veon Bell.
1: Okay, well, I want to go running back. I went running back this year in the first couple rounds. It felt like a retro year to do that. Screw running backs. Give me Antonio
0: Brown. Well, with all the running back injuries this year, one of the premier running backs was not injured this year, and that is Adrian Peterson. He is going to be picked number four.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: And Mr. E? This is tricky because I had him up there, but I'm going to go with Nuck. DeAndre Hopkins, number fourth overall.
1: I kind of hate
2: you. He's getting targets galore. I'm assuming Bill O'Brien fixes the quarterback position. I'm praying he can be a top five guy next year if they do.
1: Here's the thing. I think that what we see is a trend, and we have already seen it start to happen, where people go wide receiver crazy. The fact that there have been so many, and I mean so many running back injuries this year, I believe you're going to see people shy away from the position. I really do. Um, and as bad, as bad as this guy has been this year, this wide receiver has been awesome. So, in spite of Matt Ryan's poor play, which I don't think can get any worse, I've got to go with Julio Jones.
0: Well, for much of the reason that you mentioned there, it seems like people are shying away from the running back position because of all the injuries. So I'm going to take a guy who is, he he had a bad injury last season, and now he is fully healthy, and he's probably going to be our rookie of the year this year, and that is Todd Gurley.
1: Wow, okay, Mr. Gurley going in the top seven.
2: All right. I see you, Harley. Uh, well, until further notice, he will be the offense for the Minnesota Vikings, so I'm going to go ahead and take AP.
0: He went four. Look at this. Hey, We've got to have someone that does the adult try to take someone that's already been drafted in the first round. Not, all right, all not, right. Scripted well, in that case,
1: not scripted either.
0: <laughs> I apologize.
1: In that
2: case, I, I have here written down uh, Packers running back, and that's because I really have no idea who's going to be there. Uh, maybe they get rid of Lacey. Maybe they decide that Sarks is the future guy. But I'm going to go ahead and take a chance on that. Whoever the Packers running back will be at the start of the year next year. Now
1: you got to make a name. So it's going to be Lacey. I'm writing Lacey down for you. That way I can't draft him. Um, you made that pick easy for me. You really did. I thought you were going to take somebody and make it much more difficult for me. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be the wide receiver whore. Um, Odell Beckham does not make it out of the top ten because I'm taking him at number nine.
0: Now you're going to make it tough on me because that was definitely going to be the guy that I was going to take there. Uh, I would say that all four of the premium wide receivers are gone right now. That's leaving me on the exterior of the top four uh, receivers or going back to the running back position, which I'm not going to do. I am going to take the highest upside wide receiver, and that's Allen Robinson.
1: Allen Robinson into the top ten. I know somebody that's going to approve of that message. The guy that was just getting ready to take him, actually. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, so much for that. Um, you know, as I stare at my board, I see a lot of guys have already been taken. I'm just going to go ahead and take them, uh, Jamal Charles. I'm just going to pray he stays healthy, pray he bounces back. Jamal Charles, let's go. Championship.
1: Jamal Charles, that's a solid pick. I'll tell you what. What I'm going to do is there's a couple of guys I gave some consideration to, um, but I can't help it. i got to stick at wide receiver. Um, there's a couple of running backs, I think, that are decent value, but I just can't do it. So I'm going to roll with A.J. Green in the 12-hole. And uh, Andy Dalton's coming back next year. And even if not, I don't think it's going to matter. He's a talent that, if you can get him at the turn, he's a solid wide receiver. So there you go. There's your too early um, 2016 first round, courtesy of Harley, E and myself, in the Blitz podcast in our final episode of 2015. We want to thank you for tuning in all season long. Um, make sure that you are following everybody on Twitter. You can get Harley at Nuclear Harley, E's at E underscore Barrera 74. And you can find me on Twitter at Steve Gallo NFL. And then, of course, make sure you're checking out the huddle.com for all your needs, especially in the next couple of weeks, um, so that we can guide you through your championship win that you'll be able to notch here. Um, and we'll hopefully talk to you in and around the draft time. So until then, get Blitz responsible. Cheers.